to this Wednesday edition of the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast, a show that is for the fans, by the fans. I am your phenomenal host, Mr. Podcasting, Chris Belcher. You can follow me at Chris Belcher 24 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The show is at PBW Podcast on those platforms as well. Make sure you give us a follow, interact with us. Uh, we want to know if you're digging what we're doing. Best way for you to do that is through social media, so please do that. Joining me, as always, is my partner in crime, the co-host, the young buck, Mr. Andy York. Andy, man, it feels like forever since we have done this. <laughs> yeah, uh, last one we did was the SummerSlam postgame show. Like the last one where we were together, full disclosure, if you watch the PBWF or listen, we record those in advance. A lot of and times this, those are yeah. all, yes. And so this is the first time we recorded since in the car of SummerSlam, which was an experience to say the least, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit. And yes, then we will. <laughs> obviously you got sick. And then when you got sick, I got sick. And it's just, yeah, it's been a fun, it's been a fun week and a half. I'll just, I'll just say that. It has certainly been, well, yes, fun. We'll just use the word fun. <laughs> um, it has definitely been interesting. Uh, yeah, you and I both came down with the coronies and it was not good. So we decided to no. punt on last week's episode. So we apologize for that. We hope that you enjoyed the PBWF, though, and hope that you enjoyed Andy's flu game episode, aka the SummerSlam post review. That full disclosure, and we'll get to it in a minute was recorded in the parking garage attempting to get out of downtown Nashville. Yeah. Like where, the whole episode, Andy, we were in the parking garage. The whole where time. I had had some stomach issues. Yes. Uh in the in the in that said parking garage. So I yes. made I made my mark in downtown Nashville. And before anybody even asks or thinks, I don't drink, so it wasn't even alcohol related. It was right. just it got so hot and so humid and there were so many people. And then I didn't drink enough water during the event. Cause I didn't want to leave my seat. And then we had to walk a long time. Yeah. And, and it was that. just, it was, yeah, it was rough. <laughs> it was very rough. It was a rough time, but it was a good time. And we're going to, we're going to dive into SummerSlam here in just a few minutes. We know that that's a couple of weeks past, so we're not going to dive too far into it, but we do want to give some aftermath thoughts and all that kind of stuff. But first, before we do, Again, lots to get to this week. Buckle your seatbelts, folks. Don't know how long this episode's going to be, so hang in there with us. One of the things that I want to talk about first is Ric Flair's last match. Man, we we both watched it live. We both talked about it on this podcast, how we were speculative about not only his match, but just the whole thing and just should we go, should we not go? Do we want to watch the man <laughs> die in the ring? I mean... All of the things, and a lot of things have come out since then, obviously. But, Andy, thoughts on the event as a whole and just kind of, I don't know what you, th I don't know, the best way to say this is, I'm just glad Ric Flair didn't die. I don't know about you. Yeah, so <laughs> the the main event excluded, like the card itself was actually pretty good. Um, I thought so too. And the show was actually a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, you had... Um, Killer Cross was on there fighting um, Davy Boy. Was it Davy Boy? Davy Boy Jr. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, which was really fun. Obviously, you had the T uh, the Impact Championship matches, which were great. Obviously, uh, we had a lot of fun watching the uh, the AAA match with um, uh, Ray Phoenix and Black Taurus and Roosh. Not Roosh, but I forget who the other guys. Laredo were Kid and Bandito. Yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, it was a lot of fun. And then the main event was just um, it was it was the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. First off, credit to Jeff Jarrett who was getting the crowd amped for this by turning back time and being an old school heel that I thought a couple of times fans were going to deck him in the face as he was walking to the ring. Stark difference than him walking to SummerSlam where he just kind of walked to the ring versus the next night. Uh, that was insane. Um, the match itself was what it was. I'm glad Flair didn't die. I thought he did at one point. Um, he took a suplex and he took the suplex very well. I was, I was impressed by the suplex spot. Obviously we all knew he was going to bleed at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just, it was, uh, it was, it was rough to say the least, uh, it was the main event at least. Jeff Jarrett was on another level, bro. <laughs> like it was, uh, it was another level. It, yeah. It, it, I can't think of any other way to describe it. It was just ridiculous. I'm glad Flair didn't die. I can't express that enough. <laughs> Full disclosure, we thought he did a couple times, like you said. On Rick Flair's podcast that released today as we're recording, so as you're hearing this on Wednesday, yesterday, uh, they did a he and Conrad did a deep dive full behind the curtain, peel back everything. We're gonna talk about all the details. Flair said he passed out twice during the match due to dehydration because apparently he was trying to make a specific weight and then he realized he could get lower than that weight. So he did. And with everything going on, he didn't drink enough water like Andy. Listen, <laughs> if anybody's taking anything away from the show today, drink, water. drink some dang drink water. water, stay hydrated. But anyway, Flair didn't drink enough water. So he passed out twice due to dehydration in the match. And apparently when he got back, I'm not going to spoil everything that he talks about or that Jeff Jarrett talks about. I want you guys to both go listen to those podcasts, my world and the Ric Flair podcast. I don't know what the name of it is. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I think it's just um, called the Ric Flair podcast. Uh, it, it may be. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he's backstage after the match and he grabs a couple of, of Michelobes and he's going to chug those because Flair needs a beer after the match. Well, Undertaker comes backstage during the match, grabs the beers out of his hands and says, no, you have to drink these two Gatorades before you can have two beers. So Flair drank the two Gatorades and then he can have the beers. But, you know, it just is a wild time, man. And I just I just mentioned it. The Undertaker was there. When was the last time he was at a non WWE wrestling event? And right? he was like, and it wasn't like he was backstage watching. He was front row, next to Mick Foley and Bret Hart, watching this whole thing go down. Like I, I was, I thought he would be there. I figured he would be there. I didn't figure he would be there on camera. Um, it just kind of shows that he's at the point in his career where he's like, I'm gonna do what I want to do, and. <laughs> WWE is not going to fire me or do anything to me because I'm Undertaker. Like I'm, I'm always going to be one of their guys. So I'm glad he was there. I, I, I like like that fact that he was there. His facial expression during this whole thing was just like concern look on his face the entire time. I think for a majority of us, it was like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and if you listen to Conrad and Jeff and Rick on those podcasts, <clears throat> excuse me, and they talk about Flair's health and his condition and, you know, everything going into the match. 
everybody was concerned about Rick's health, but it was never a situation of he's there's no way he can do this. Like what we have to take into consideration is his bad health and the man's 73 years old. Yeah. And he's trying to get in there and do what he was trying to do or what he had done well for, you know, so many years. Right. So for us to put all these expectations on Rick, it was unrealistic. But at the same time, it's like, I know you want to do it for you. And I know you want to go out on your own terms and kudos to you. You deserve that. Daggum, bro. You don't need to prove anything else to us. Yeah. I, part of me wonders if the episode that came out on dark side of the ring played a massive role into this whole thing. Mm. of maybe he he felt like he had something to prove after how much he got drugged through the mud during that thing um so i wonder if that that played a part in this in his comeback story is is this match um but it didn't have to be a match i mean he could right. do anything and uh, you know it, it would have been fine um i don't know That's it was just i didn't i didn't even think about that with yeah. the dark side of the ring thing like i didn't think about him trying to not only redeem himself from, you know, his TNA stuff or, hey, I want to go out on my terms, but also to put a positive light on the dark side of the ring. I didn't think of that. Or just to, you know, the next, like the last thing people remember is not the dark side of the ring thing now. It's sure. Ric Flair's last match. So I, I think that probably played a, a big role in in his decision making. But I will say he did, I mean, he put himself in the best case possible with Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett and Andrade in the ring because when Andrade and Jay Lethal got in there, it was fun. Like it was, we were moving, we were rolling. Even when Jeff Jarrett and Andrade were in there, we were we were moving. Um, but when Flair got in there, it was just it was so slow, and he looked so he looked scared. Like he honestly looked yep. very scared to be in the ring. So I don't, I don't really know, I don't really know how he feels fully about it. Um, mm. I'm sure he's not too thrilled about everything that happened with it well but. i know that on that podcast they were talking about how flair they being jeff and conrad because i haven't listened to I haven't listened to flares jeff and Conrad were talking about how flair is his own worst critic as yeah. everybody is they're hard on themselves but flair is his own worst critic and he got in his head and he there was a lot of adrenaline there was a lot of i don't want to let anybody down there was a lot of that i even texted you at the end of the match i said after the match was over was the first time that he smiled the yeah. whole time. Like I expected the the dude to start crying as soon as he walked out of the out of the tunnel and you know being all excited and smiling and happy to be there, but he was not until the end. And and we only got one woo, which was like weird. <laughs> like I was expecting multiple woos throughout the night. Yep. He only did his his little walk thing once. Jeff Jarrett did it more than he did. So right. like that was that was very it was just it was the circumstances around the whole thing were very weird yep. and very, very abrupt. But again, when you put someone like Jay Lethal who, you know, the next night on AEW goes out and kills it with Orange Cassidy, I mean that match was absolutely amazing. You're you're kind of putting yourself in in a good spot when you're putting yourself in with Jay Lethal and with Andrade and then Jeff Jarrett just goes back to Connecticut or Stanford or wherever, wherever he's going working for WWE now. It was it was really, really, really weird that the circumstances were weird, but he put himself in a great spot, kind of putting himself there with Jay Lethal and Orange Cassidy, which I don't know. Have you got, have you got to see that match yet? Um, 
you know i think i did i think i may have watched it while i was doing something else um but oh yeah it's it's good stuff from what i remember (laughs) um orange cassidy i mean we're gonna talk about AEW here in a second orange cassidy continues to prove why he's actually really good in the ring um and then jay lethal like you said you can't say enough about you know enough good stuff about jay lethal the event itself rick flair's last match did well on pay-per-view did well on attendance did well in ticket sales i mean i think it far exceeded everybody's expectations from that perspective so it's a success especially because flair is still with us and is still kicking (laughs) well i think i think no matter what they did with flair it was going to be a success it was going to my dad who is not a big wrestling fan wanted to sit down and watch this because of Rick, because of Rick Flair and Rick Flair being in it. So like it was going to do well, no matter what it did. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. All right, man, let's move on. AEW. Uh, we have missed a couple weeks on this and we know that AEW is tonight. And this is kind of the new format of our episode. So we're more previewing what's coming up <laughs> next rather than reviewing what has happened. But Man, a lot of things have happened in AEW um, over the last couple of weeks. And the the one of the things that was really more shocking than anything, at least I think, I'm not, a, not an in-depth, close watcher of the storylines of AEW. Like, I know what's going on. Right. But this was a pretty big impact. I just don't know how well it's going to work. Ricky Stark's turning face. Like... I find it to be a huge deal, especially because powerhouse Hobbs turned on him. I just wonder what kind of baby face he's going to be. You know, I think honest, I honestly think he will be the biggest baby face within the next year in AEW. Really? I think he will absolutely. The fans already are behind him a hundred percent. They are. He's getting one of the biggest pops of the night. Like he's, he's the crowd is fully behind him. And Powerhouse Hobbs being the heel turning on him, I think, works perfectly, especially with they're kind of telling the story with Keith Lee and Swerve of, you know, at some point Swerve's going to turn on Lee. While I love when they kind of have a team point that out, and then the team that points it out is the team that ends up splitting and breaking up. So, like, that mm. that was very interesting. Powerhouse Hobbs this past week at debuting this new kind of gimmick style that he's doing where he's just – Gonna go out there and kill people. I am right. absolutely all for. Uh, Team Taz no longer being a thing, I think is great um, because it kind of frees this breakup to happen. It removes Taz from the situation. Taz can now focus on just commentating, which he has been killing it recently as com- yep. at being on commentary. And then obviously Hook can do his thing with Hookhausen and being the FTR champion and, and or FTW champion and everything else. So. I really enjoy it. I think he gets a lot of comparisons. I don't think he's on that level. I'm so I'm, I'm prefacing this by saying he is not the Rock. However, I see some Rock mannerisms in the things that he does. Like if he, when he cuts a promo and when he's talking down to somebody, I can kind of see some resemblances of the Rock in in his promo style at times. Especially what he did with Danhausen a couple weeks ago was. I got Hurricane Rock vibes from it, and I I loved it. So I I think he's going to be a huge deal. I think he's going to be one of the biggest stars in AEW within the next year or so. I think this is a smart move to 
strike while the iron is hot. We've we've kind of criticized AEW in the past for holding things out for too long. Yep. This is one of those where it was like boom, instant face turn, and it, I think yep. it's going to work out really well. I I hope it does. Um, not. I don't want to say I'm not. I'm not sold on it because obviously I want to see where it goes. Right. I'm like you. I'm big fan of what they're going to end up doing with Powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, we are on a collision course with Powerhouse Hobbs and Wardlow. Yes. I need that like now. Yeah. Um. That will be. That is a spot where you can pull out the ring breaking gimmick and <laughs> do something insane. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that would be an awesome statement by AEW, but. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, like you mentioned, Taz on commentary. This frees him up for that. It frees him up to not be biased anymore. Yeah. You know, Taz can call it down the middle now and not have to worry about affecting his character, not having to backtrack, say, well, I don't like this guy. He's he's caused Team Taz a lot of problems, but he's really good in the ring. Like, we don't need that. Yeah. We can now have cut and dry, straightforward Taz. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. And you know, I think he had he had walked that line very well on commentary. <clears throat> Obviously, like when it came to like Keith Lee and Swerve, he he would say, "I don't like him, but I respect him in the ring." But like now, that definitely frees him up for that. And it's just like the last two weeks are just apparently like, "Hey, we're switching characters <laughs> on AEW because you get the undisputed elite back, and then all of a sudden, it all just kind of <laughs> quickly falls apart." Uh, I, I, especially as a non young buck fan that you are, I think we all kind of saw this turn happening at some point. Yes. But I think we all kind of thought it was going to happen when Kenny returned. Right. And there was a good chance that it was going to be Kenny and the bucks turning on Adam Cole, Cole and fish and O'Reilly what do you think about kind of being the other way? Obviously, Kenny is not involved yet. I think it's inevitable he's going to get involved very soon. But what do you what do you think about the dynamic shift in this? I think it's weird that they went ahead and did it with Hangman. And I'm not taking anything away from Hangman because, again, just like the context of a lot of New Japan stuff and the history of the Bullet Club and all that, I don't really, I can't speak to the context of Hangman being in the Bullet Club. I know he was there, right. and I know he was involved and all that kind of stuff, but I can't speak to the context as well as I can with Cole and the Bucks and all those guys. I don't know why, I just can't. But <laughs> I feel like Hangman is sort of a placeholder for Kenny. Maybe they started setting this up and then realized, oh, Kenny is still a couple of weeks away from coming back and we really need to go ahead and pull the trigger on this now. Yeah. So we put Hangman in. I can see this going a couple of different ways. One being Kenny comes back and they attack Hangman and the Bucks and Kenny still go do their thing, but they get rid of Hangman. I also saw this totally different. Now, I'm probably in the minority. I'm not even going to say maybe. I'm in the minority of this. I almost wanted to see Cole and the Bucks turn on Fish and O'Reilly. Yeah. Because that, to me, that would have been the more intriguing thing because it would been it would have been so unexpected. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of in the same boat as you in a weird way of like, <clears throat> excuse me, there we go. 
Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you in a weird way in the fact that, like, I part of me kind of wanted it to be Adam Cole and the Young Bucks because, yes, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish have been around for Adam Cole's career. Yep. But, like, when I got into the independent pro wrestling scene, it was Adam Cole and the Young Bucks kind of running roughshod over everybody. So, like, that would have right. been – that was my – one of the coolest things when he came back is they immediately put them together. I was fine with that. However – I think Adam Cole and Fish and O'Reilly are so money together. Sure they are. That you don't want to split them up just yet. And I also think, I think what we're probably heading to is, because I think we're getting the trio titles finals or whatever they're doing. I think because I don't know if they're doing a tournament or not. I think we're getting it at All Out this year. Correct. Which means I could absolutely see Kenny and the Bucks winning those tag, the trio's titles. And then at the end of the match, Kenny Omega comes out. And we have kind of a face-off, stale-off, and then we're kind of heading forward with that direction. Um, I think the finals is almost a lock at this point that it's probably going to be Adam Cole, whatever they're going to call themselves, the undisputed AEW elite, whatever, uh, versus Paige and the Bucks. I, I feel like we're heading right. to that final. Um, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do after that point because I think, I think it's almost a guarantee that Kenny shows up at All Out now. Oh, I think you have to because who was the last person to beat Kenny Omega before he left? Yeah, hey, man. Yeah. So you have to address that. Like that's the elephant in the room. You have to. You have to me. You have to do it. Yeah. Uh, just how they get there. If it's before the trios titles match, or if it's after, or if you know, however they do it, you have to get there at some point. Yeah. Um. But I agree with you. Like obviously, Cole Fish and O'Reilly. That's. That's money. That's what needs to be. I just thought it would have been really interesting to go the other way. Yeah. Because it would have been less expected. You kind of saw this coming, but it would have been less expected. But, I mean, you have to go with what works. Yeah. Speaking of what works, uh, Chris Jericho fighting for the AEW Heavyweight Championship coming up tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, at the absolute worst name for a show that I've ever seen. AEW cannot make fun of stomping grounds or great balls of fire anymore. Quake by the lake. What the come on? It's bet it's worse than stomping grounds. Like it's stomping grounds, I don't think is that worse. bad of a I don't think stomping grounds is even that bad of a pay-per-view name. Like I think I think there's way way worse. I I still hate Great Balls of Fire. I think it's on the same level as Great Balls of Fire. I think they're both stupid names. I get why both were named what they're named. And I think like there's some historic NWA show or something like that that was named this. However, have you looked at the poster? I don't think so, no. The poster is amazing because it's like a swampy area, but if you look in the bottom left-hand corner, it's Hookhausen on a canoe. And it's amazing that they're just kind of in the background they're on everything it's just little hook housing and and in a canoe and it's abs that part is amazing but the name itself is very dumb it's very, it's very so dumb. stupid it's so stupid i hate it but anyway uh the big matches i think i'm sure a couple others have been announced but the big matches of course like i said jericho fighting for the aew championship against john moxley speaking of chris jericho uh number one i hate that this is on a dynamite i think you obviously you can get away with it because jericho's not gonna win and you're building towards all out this deserves to be on a pay-per-view but um it's fine 
Second thing with Jericho, as of recording today, because we are still on Tuesday, August the 9th, as we record this, <laughs> 23 years ago today, Chris Jericho made his WWE debut confronting The Rock in Chicago, Illinois. The Y2J character was born. Yep. Um, I just thought I'd throw that little nugget in. But what do you think about Jericho and Mox on a dynamite? Are you good with that? Uh, yeah, I'm fine with it. Kind of going back to the debut, I will say, because we'll talk about another sort of debut a little bit later on. Yes. Um, but I think Y2J is easily, I'm not gonna say easily, but definitely is top five, if not the greatest debuts of all time in oh, WWE. I so. I, it's amazing. Um, I'm fine with this being on, on Dynamite because we've kind of already seen it. <laughs> um, and so I'm fine with it being on Dynamite. One, like you said, there's a 0.000% chance Jericho wins this thing. Yep. Um, and two, it's just going to kind of advance the storyline forward. So I, I I fully expect Moxley to get the easy win. And I would rather it be not on pay-per-view when it's not – like the outcome is obvious, so I wouldn't want it to be on pay-per-view if that makes sense. Um, so I'm fine with it being a, one of these specials. You kind of have to do some of these matches – like I would rather have Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson the first time they ever face be on a pay-per-view, but I understand why they did it at the Arthur Ashe show first time ever in that arena, in that venue. It kind of all makes sense. So I'm right. fine with it being kind of a one-off and a random dynamite. The other one that I want to bring up going into dynamite tonight, again, if you're listening to this on Wednesday We've seen a lot of coffin matches with Darby Allen. We've seen, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, we've seen two, I believe, or has it been more than that? Ethan Page and yeah. Andrade, right? Did he have one with... No, <laughs> Miro had one with Undertaker. No, but I'm just talking about Darby no, Allen. No, no, I know. I couldn't matches. remember if Darby Allen had one with Miro oh, or with not. Miro, I, knew yeah, he, yeah. I knew he had one, but I, re- yes. I forgot it was a random Saudi show. The first and it was just show. yeah, it was just Rusev versus the Undertaker in a casket match. It was supposed to be Jericho, yeah, and Jericho went to AW. He screwed that one up. Well, yeah, no, that was his Kenny Omega match. That's right. That, yeah, yeah. that was the very first Kenny Omega match. So they pulled Jericho out of the coffin match and put him in the, as the last entrant in the Great Show. I Rumble. think anyway. I think Jericho got the better end of the deal on that, on that one. Probably did, <laughs> um, but. Darby Allen's, I think, had two coffin matches. I think so. Maybe three in AEW. But this one might be the most interesting of them all. <laughs> against, and I'm not talking about the storyline and the whole thing. Because yeah. to me, the storyline takes a backseat in this. This match with Brody King and Darby Allen is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be. I'm going to be afraid for Darby's life in a couple of spots. I'm afraid. Um, and I mean that in the, like the best way possible because of just how insane Darby Allen is. I have loved this. This is the most random feud I think I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And I have loved every second of it because of this is truly the giant versus the little man. Right. But it's two guys that literally don't care what they do to each other. <laughs> so like attacking or Darby what Allen. what they do that, to themselves. Yeah. Like attacking Darby Allen at Comic Con was amazing. Attacking yeah, him at his signing cool. was amazing. Like all of that stuff. I also like. I am super intrigued by the idea of Malachi Black and Sting. 
Like all of their face-offs have yes. been perfect. They haven't really said a word to each other. They've just kind of stared each other down. Black obviously sprayed the mist. I think at one point at Sting's. Like, I I'm looking forward to the point when Sting no sells that and yeah. just like starts going crazy. Like it's going to it is. I think it might happen here. I think Darby might pick up the win, but it's going to be absolutely insane to watch this. And I, I think Brody's going to murder him at some point. Are we headed to Sting's first singles match in AEW against Malachi Black? That's it's the best opponent to put him with if you're going to do it. Like if you're going to do a one-on-one, put him in there with someone like Malachi. But would that have been okay? Gimmicks aside, because I get right. freaky versus freaky, and you know, yeah, yeah, that's why Sting versus the Undertaker would have worked. But right, would Malachi really? I'm not taking anything away from him, but would he really be your first choice? for Sting's first singles match in AEW. Would he really be the first choice? I'm trying to think. Honestly, he's the most intriguing. Like, right? Sting versus Kenny Omega. Yeah, Kenny would take Kenny would would put on a great match with Sting, but it doesn't really intrigue me. Like that's not something I want to see. I don't want to see maybe Punk like Sting and Punk would be very interesting, I think. Yep. Um, but honestly, the money, like the money match to me the whole time has been Sting and Jericho. Like, yeah, that's that never it never happened in WCW. Yeah, never. So, like to me, that's the safe one because it's two guys who, yes, they're past their prime, but their star power is intriguing enough that they can tell a story enough to where fans are going to be totally bought in. I'm not, ta- again, not taking anything away from Malachi. I'm just right. saying the first guy I would have put yeah. Sting with was Jericho. I think that's the retirement one. Oh, okay. I, I think Jericho way. retires him. Um, especially if they, <clears throat> especially if Jericho is still part of the Jericho Appreciation Society, could you imagine the oh, heat man. that they would get if they retired Sting? Like, I think... I think that makes more sense than his first one because you want you want sure. Sting's first singles match to be decent. <laughs> and nothing against Jericho, nothing against Sting. The match itself is going to be better if you put Malachi Black in there instead of Chris Jericho in there because Jericho's way past his prime. Malachi Black, I'm not even sure if he's even hit his prime yet. Like right. I I I feel like it's this is the better way to go for the first one. Versus the last one, nobody's going to remember the match other than who wins and the moment afterwards. That's true. I mean, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. Again, I agree. I see where you're coming from. Wouldn't take anything away from Malika. That's just not the first one that I would have picked. Yeah. Obviously, if Cody would have been there, that's the one. Yeah. Sting and Cody have those two guys. That To me, if Cody would have still been there, that's the retirement match. It's Sting yeah. and Cody. Yeah. That's the last one. Or just a random one kind of thrown out there. I could also see Sting and MJF. Like, I think that's, that's one that you could absolutely do that with as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, MJF playing the, the, the chicken heel and running from Sting and all that. Yeah. That, that, that has money written all over (laughs) it. Um, Anything else from AEW, man, before we move on? Uh, Just battle of the belts was really good. Uh, Obviously Claudio versus Takashita. I think that's his name. I always screw it up. If I screwed it up, I'm sorry. They absolutely tore the house down. He is my like rookie wrestler of the year. I know he's not a rookie, but like 
for American independent scene, he is like rookie wrestler of the year. Uh, he hasn't, I don't think he's had a bad match yet on any televised TV. And they put him in there with some big guys, like big name guys, and he's he's held his own. So that he match itself on, is really good. He was on Ric Flair's last match. And yeah. I wrote this down. Commentary was horrible, by the way, yes. for that show. I didn't mention that earlier. It was awful. But yeah. they at least gave me the pronunciation of his name. And it's Takeshta. Takeshta. So okay. the eye is silent. If they were correct, it's Takeshta. Takeshta. Okay. Well, he is like, there right now, go. if I had to put my top three wrestlers of 2022, if I had to put my most surprised re- top wrestlers of 2022, it goes Dax. Down. It goes Dax one. It goes Takeshta two. And it goes Angelo Dawkins three. Angelo Dawkins has been murdering Bro. it here recently. Yes, he has. Um, and Montez Ford kind of fits in with that as well because Ford, I, I think Ford is a future WWE champion. I don't think Angelo is. I think Montez Ford is, but I think Angelo Dawkins can hold his own. If I was making that list, and we're not, I mean that's a whole separate podcast. But if I was making that list, Orange Cassidy would make my list. Yeah, for the stuff that he's done. Yeah, Will Ospreay, Ricky Starks would be on my list too. To be completely honest, like. If I had to sit down and do a top 10 list of like wrestlers I was not expecting to have a breakout year in 2022, it would it would be very hard to do that this year. Very hard. It would. It would because I think you have to make the argument that Ezekiel slash Elias would be on. I, the way that everything has gotten over with him, I think he deserves a spot on there. If you're making 10. Now, if you're doing yeah. three, probably not. But right. if you're doing 10, I think there's an argument to do that. The thing is with the, I agree, but the thing is with him, I haven't seen enough in 2022 yet. He kind of came later on. Most of these other guys have been kind of since January have been kind of killing it nonstop. That's a good point. That's very true. Speaking of Ezekiel, before we get there, let's talk some WWE. Make sure that you give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PBW Podcast. Uh, make sure you are checking out all of our previous episodes. Didn't even give our shout outs earlier, so I'll do that right now. You can find our show wherever you find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those places. Give us a five-star review. We would appreciate it. The video versions of our show is on the Bodyslam.net YouTube channel. So if you want to tune in and see our smiling faces, please check out the video versions. Give us a like and a subscribe while you're there. That helps the show. We would appreciate that very much. I know Body Slam would appreciate it as well. Don't forget our friends over at sportswire.com. Tom and the crew do a great job of providing you with 24-7 sports coverage as well as some rocking tunes over there. So give those guys some support. Uh, We appreciate all of their help, everything that they give us. With me as always, my name is Chris Belcher. With me as always is Mr. Andy York, and we are Doing our best to cover everything. We text each other almost every day. And we're like, we need some fan support. We need some funding because we need to show every dang day so that we don't have to catch everybody up on everything. Try to you know, squeeze everything in in an hour. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, we try to be cognizant of everybody's time. But man, if we had a show every day, we could really do some damage. Um <laughs> Let's talk about SummerSlam. Speaking of doing some damage, um, first of all, 
thanks to all of our special guests who are on the SummerSlam post show. My brother from another mother, Jared Justice, was hanging out with us. The professor, Jason Backowitz, was back with us for the first time in what seems like forever. Levi Bachelor, first time in a long time. He's back on the show. And Andy's wife, Katie, uh, hung out with us, and we recorded a podcast in the car, in the parking garage, in downtown Nashville, because it literally took us an hour to get out of the parking garage. It was brutal. But we made it. Yeah. Andy, as Andy alluded to earlier, did not feel well. I don't remember any of the podcast, to be completely honest. (laughs) Well, as I told you the next day, you were very coherent. Uh Everything you said made a lot of sense. But obviously, there's been some fallout from SummerSlam. Want to give us all a chance to digest what happened. I know Andy's gone back and watched it, as as have I, to see the presentation of everything. Andy, the first thing I'm going to say about SummerSlam as we talk about some aftermath and fallout, commentary freaking hit a home run on SummerSlam. Like, everything was so good. To the point that Corey Graves says to Michael Cole, I liked it better when you didn't have an opinion. Yeah. I So, I thought it was great. It goes to show that when you don't have somebody, when you don't have somebody yelling in your ear, every five seconds that you can actually do your job pretty well. Like I, this was the most fun I've had with Michael Cole. The last couple of weeks have been a lot of fun with Michael Cole. Yep. Um, he's been doing a great job. I still not sold on Jimmy Smith. I think there are better options out there than Jimmy Smith for raw. Um, and obviously Byron Saxton can just, you know, go backstage. Um, but <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. Corey Graves, Michael Cole, Especially in the main event, Michael Cole was absolutely on fire. He was on the, so in the good main, in that event. main event. Oh my uh, gosh, he was so good. McAfee Corbin match they were really great on. Um, they just they really did a great job throughout the entire night, and it was actually nice when we went back and watch. When I went back and watched it, it was actually nice to see what was happening in the ring because half the time at SummerSlam I couldn't see because of that stupid bright light. I didn't even bring that up in the podcast. That stupid bright light that they had, where you like, I literally couldn't see anything in the ring half the time. I can't believe nobody brought that up because oh it's an issue on on stadium shows. I didn't I didn't disclose that to you guys, but it is an issue on outside stadium shows. Uh-huh. Inside at Mania, we didn't have a problem. You no. know, it wasn't a big deal. But outside, I remember at WrestleMania 35, it was a big deal as well. Um, they had some lights that were very bright. And at least when see. they chanted that time, they turned it off. They didn't turn it off for us. They did not turn it off for us. I guess not enough people chanted. But anyway, yeah, um, that was an issue. So not seeing the ring. That was only about half of the show, though. It was from um, think, Judgment Day on. So it was about the fourth match in the card. Yeah. Four, yeah, four out of eight. So yeah, about half the show. Yeah. Speaking of Judgment Day, something that we really didn't talk about a lot on the podcast, which I was apparently I was told after we stopped recording that I did not talk <laughs> enough about this. The return of Edge, yeah, was wild. It was like we, what what annoyed me, and I couldn't do anything about it, is we knew it was coming. Yeah, like I had to go back and watch that tag match to know what happened at all during the tag match, because from where we were sitting, we could see anything and everything happening at the entrance way, and yeah. after everybody made their entrances and the match started, they wheeled that big thing over for Edge, so we all knew it was going to happen. 
I was texting with a guy that was in the stadium somewhere else. And he said, yeah, we all saw it too. Nobody in my section was paying attention to the match either. Like everybody yeah. was looking at what they were doing, but it was awesome. It yeah, was, it was, it was wild. I felt bad for Ray Mysterio, like for the Mysterios in judgment day, because we were either chanting, we can't see, or we were staring at what they were setting up. And it's kind of yeah. the same with like, Full disclosure in the main event, we saw the tractor before everybody else did too, because it was yep. literally right in front of us. Yes. Um, that part did kind of take away, but the entrance itself was absolutely amazing. It was so yep. cool to see that. I'm still bummed we didn't get the rated R superstar entrance. Um, yep. but I'll hear it one day, I'm sure, hopefully in person. Uh, it was awesome though. It was really cool to see that. And then he went out there, he had a huge spirit. The ropes must have been loose like really mm. loose because Ray completely messed up his, his six one nine and edge. When he bounced off that rope to hit that spear on Damian priest, he, it was the first time edge actually hit a pretty decent spear. And it looked, it actually looked like a spear instead of a hug. It looked really, it actually looked really good. Well, I was listening to Pat McAfee talk about his match <laughs> on his podcast. Too, yeah. And he was talking about how humid it was yeah. and how slippery the ropes were. And I think, I heard Logan Paul mention that as well because I went back and listened to, by the way, for those of you who may or may not be Logan Paul fans, I don't care if you are or you aren't, Triple H was on his podcast last week. It is a must listen. Y'all got to go back and listen to that. But I think Logan Paul was talking about it as well. Oh, yeah, because he slipped during his entrance. Yeah. Um, so I think he was talking about it there too. So, yeah, ropes must have been, they were loose. They were humid all the other kind of crazy stuff but i thought it was really really good i was very excited to see edge i found it very interesting too i made this note that we saw a becky lynch face turn Mm -hmm. we saw a ronda rousey heel turn in the same night yeah wrestlemania 39 here we come see i don't i i could see that happening but i don't know because it's happening from all I, I think it will. But from all reports, the Becky Lynch face turn wouldn't have happened if Vince was still in charge. Right. Because Vince was fully behind heel Becky for one reason or another. Right. So I, I think we might be heading to it. I don't think it was a switch on purpose. Like, I, I don't think it was with that intention in mind. But I do think we are going to head to that point. I think we are going to head to that, especially with it being in Hollywood. I think that's going to be one of the, the marquee matches. Oh, that's going to headline night number one for sure. Like, there's no doubt about it. That's the headline match. That's the match that we've been clamoring for since 2018. Um, And I think with Triple H in charge, it's a definite that it was going to happen for sure. Or that it doesn't stay around. No, she'll be back. I mean, she's fine. She's fine and suspended right now. Oh, no, I'm just saying, unless she gets mad before then and just doesn't walk out. But I think I think with Triple H being in charge, I don't think that'll happen. Probably not. I I, I think that Ronda will be more protected. I think we will see a more not just because we saw it at SummerSlam, we'll see a more vicious, a more directive version of Ronda where it's yeah. not so much, hey, we see you every week, walk out, smile, be on you, whatever. Kind of terrible promo. <laughs> exactly. We're yeah. going to see Ronda protected a lot more. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, let's move to SmackDown, man. Where you got? Uh, <laughs> what do I got? Good lord, Karrion Cross is back, and I. So 
<laughs> I was sitting watching it because I was still recovering. Full, di- full disclosure before you go any. No, yeah. wait, I'll let you tell a story. Go ahead. No, go well, ahead. I'm sitting at home Friday night, <laughs> sick as a dog, watching SmackDown. I am enjoying what I'm watching for the most part. It's been a great show. Earlier in the day, there have been reports that Karrion Cross and Scarlett could potentially come back to WWE at some point. We're in the main event. It's the bloodline. It's Roman Reigns cutting his promo. Drew McIntyre with the line of the year so far coming out and calling Roman Reigns a tribal queef. I'd have lost it when he said that. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. He said it so smooth, too. I don't think people heard it. Yeah, he, uh, he walked out there, and all of a sudden, I heard the music, and it took a second. And then I was like, that's Karrion Cross, And it went black and white. He's still got his hair. I'm, I'm gro- the hair is growing on me. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. It's so weird. <laughs> the main thing is Scarlet is with him, and that was the most important thing. Yes. Apparently, he's going after Roman Reigns immediately, which I, if you want to build a star, that's how you do it. I, it's one of the few moments that I literally jumped off my couch in excitement, and I was so thrilled for it. Doomsday has arrived, and the clock is ticking. Is what Michael Cole said on commentary. Yeah. Unbelievable. It yeah. was wild. So what I was going to say is, you know, it's a good moment on SmackDown. <laughs> Andy and I text the text throughout shows all the time. It is a regular occurrence. Yeah. If we could record every conversation that Andy and I have, <laughs> and put it out to you guys, it'd probably be more entertaining than what you actually probably. Do. But that's beside the point. You know it's a good moment when I get an all caps text <laughs> that says, "Dude, are you watching SmackDown?" So what did I do? I immediately—I didn't turn SmackDown on because at that point, when I saw the text, I think SmackDown was over. Probably. I immediately went to the Twitter machine to figure out what had happened, yeah. and I was blown away. Yeah, I—I I just blown it. away. I lost. And it was one of those of like, we had another debut on Raw that they were building up throughout the night in a very creative and fun way. This was just like in your face. There you go. He's here. He's back. She's with him. He's not wearing a gimp outfit anymore. He's back to his full fledged Mm -hmm. outfit, like his full fledged thing. Like I, I'm so excited to see him back now to, to add to the second thing that you said about cross going for the title going for Roman. Clearly he's putting Roman in his sights. Yeah. Clearly he's putting the main event guys in his sights. Now this carrying cross debut has really triggered a lot of rumors and reports about USA network wanting a champion and Roman's not able to be there and they want an interim champion or they want to split the titles or, or whatever. And then there's the rumors of the draft that might happen at the end of this month or beginning of next month, whatever. Listen, we all know those are rumor and innuendo. We all know that some there's a little nugget of truth to all of it, but there's a lot of it that's probably blown out of proportion. I have absolutely learned that I do not believe anything and everything that I read in terms of wrestling journalism. However, like I said, there's a nugget of truth somewhere. I don't necessarily believe that Karrion Cross is going to come in and dethrone Roman Reigns immediately. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. 
Do I think he is a viable contender if built correctly under the Triple H regime? Absolutely, I do. But I think what doesn't sit well with me, and we're going to get into this on a bonus episode that's coming in the next week or so, by the way. What doesn't sit well with me is not has nothing to do with Cross, has nothing to do with Drew or Roman. It's this idea of splitting the titles and having Roman keep one. Like I've always just been against that. And I just, I think it's a bad move. It's no fault of crosses or whatever. It's, I just think it's a bad move. This, this was why (laughs) if you go back to WrestleMania 38, which we were in the building for the whole buildup, this is why I was so heavily against unifying the titles because I knew that they had no plan for both titles. Right. Like there was no plan. There was nothing. It was just, Hey, let's make Roman have both belts because let's make it the biggest possible thing that it can be. And then we'll figure it out. It's the case of nobody wants to see Brock Roman again. So let's put both titles on the line. That'll get people to go want to see that match, which fair enough, but you can find something better to do than that. Um, I, I, I get why USA network would want to have a main champion on their channel, on their show. Um, Weird enough, I think Raw has been better without a champion being mm-hmm. always present. Um, however, the last couple of weeks has been because they have built up like the US championship feels like a huge deal now. A huge deal. One what? video package. One video package, which by the way did not have theory in it at all, which I thought was very telling. One video package and then one tournament and then one championship match, and the US title feels bigger than it's felt in the last since John Cena held it in 20, was 15. it 2015, 2014, 15, yep. 2015, something like that. Yep. Like mm-hmm. I, it was 2015. Cause that's when Kevin Owens came in and feuded with right. him was during that time. Um, yeah, I, the, the, the U S championship feels like a big deal. I get why they want to have a main title. We talked about this, I think yesterday. Um, I think it's almost a given, not a given. I'm not gonna say it's a given, but I think there's a really good chance that Drew beats Roman at Clash of the Castle for the title. Maybe Theory cashes in, maybe he doesn't. And I think one of those two guys will be the champion on Raw going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do agree. I don't want to see Roman get beat unless it's for both titles. Correct. Or, to be more frank, I don't want to see Roman gets beat, get beat unless it's Cody Rhodes. <laughs> like, I, I am still at that point where I don't want him to see, I don't want to see him lose unless it's Cody and I can get behind Seth. And I can get behind Drew, but it it needs to be for both titles, I feel like. And then you could do the thing, which it wouldn't really make sense, but if you really wanted to, Drew could drop one of the titles or vacate one of the titles and say, here, you guys can fight over this now or something like that. Or, but, or it just, <clears throat> excuse me, or it goes with the brand split. If they actually do the brand split and that happens right around the time Clash of the Castle happens and Drew yeah. wins both belts, then you can, hey, Drew, you're drafted to this show. You need to give one of the belts up or, yeah. or what or have you. Or just put them together and then make a new title or bring, we'll bring see, Big Gold back. That's <laughs> – pick me. Pick me. What have yeah. I been – what have I been preaching yeah. since the unification match was announced for WrestleMania? Yep. You can unify them, but you better have one belt. Yep. 
And if they would have had one belt, I know it's easy to create a belt, but if they would have had one belt coming out of WrestleMania, it would have been so much easier. And this whole issue wouldn't be an issue if they would have one belt and they would just call it the undisputed. Call what they've been calling it. The WWE undisputed WWE Universal Champion. Like that's if they want to call it that, that's fine. Whatever. But have one belt and let's not worry about splitting it because again, we'll get into this on a later podcast, but you could very easily have one champion for two shows and make it work. Yep. Very easily. There, I mean, WWE did it for a while. I thought it was great. I think two titles cheapens everything, but I can see why USA and Fox might go to war over it. Or if WWE is truly wanting to do a brand split, I can see the need for it. So right. I like it. I think you can, you can make it work with just one. And I get like with Roman, I get because you don't want to oversaturate him on having him on both shows every single week because right. then that's too much at once. However, it is nice to see the title on TV. Like it feels like a big deal when the title is on TV. So like I wish As I know it he's taking yep. Yeah, and I know I know he's taking a backseat part time kind of thing. Um I just kinda wish we got because it feels like we get from one part timer to another because Brock held that thing for it felt like a, an eternity. Now Roman's holding it for he a did. long time, yep. not really on TV a whole lot. So like I get why they want a world champion on both on both shows. But, yeah, I, I feel like they just kind of backed themselves into a corner. That's why I'm hoping they don't do the unification match for the women's. I think it's fine with the tag team because there's not a whole lot of tag teams that you can have the Usos bounce back and forth, and that's mm-hmm. that's fine. But I don't think you should do that with the women's championship, and I definitely don't think you should have done it with the men's. Well, I think there's ways to put Roman <clears> – <throat> excuse me. There's ways to put Roman on both shows. <clears throat> My goodness. And him not actually be there. You can pre-tape backstage stuff. Yeah. And just air it on the show. And nobody's going to know the difference. It's fine. Or just remote segments. Or, yeah, whatever. There's ways to put Roman there. Back in the 90s, man, every every time the champ came on the show, it felt important. Right. When we got to see Bret Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels in 95, 96, whatever, it was a big deal to see them on Monday Night Raw, you know. So we could we could go towards that and it be which we are, but I think it can continue and it can work because, like you said, the U.S. title feels important again. You got Nakamura and Gunther next week. Yep. You know we get the Intercontinental title feeling the same way, and then we're off to the races by putting mid card titles on main event players. So. Yeah. I think that's the winning formula. They just got to do it. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think we're heading in the right direction. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we actually get to see the Intercontinental Championship defended on a pay per view in the next month because it's a shame to have Gunther Walter. I can't believe I called him Gunther Walter on the card. Like it's, it's a, it would be a shame to have Walter as a champion and not be on the Clash of the Castle card. Like, he right. dominated the U- NXT UK scene for forever. He should be on the card. I do want to get your talk, uh, take, though, on something that was very, very interesting and very, I don't want to say telling, but it showed how quickly and how bad booking can turn a crowd on somebody. Mm. And that was the fact that Liv Morgan got heavily booed 
during her promo on Friday night, um, while also getting massive tapped out chance. What, what do you what do you think about that? I I'm not gonna say that Greenville, South Carolina, which I think is where they were. I'm not going to say that Greenville, South Carolina is this big wrestling town that, you know, is one of those anomaly crowds that we often talk about. I don't think it's that, but I do think that every wrestling crowd is different. And I think they just hit a perfect storm the other night of Liv Morgan and maybe just not being over with that crowd because not only did she get booed in the you tapped out chance, like when her music hit her music is one of the ones that gets one of the biggest reactions when it hits and that didn't happen. Yeah. You know? So is it something to where fans are already starting to turn on her? Maybe. I don't know. I've never been the biggest of Liv Morgan fans. I've been vocal about that on this podcast. I think she's fine. I think she needs her shot at the championship and she's got it. Well, let's, I don't know. It, it's always weird when baby faces do something heelish. Yeah. And you try to recover from it. And I don't know. It's how they need to find the way for Liv to recover. I just, I don't know. The whole situation is really odd to me, but she does become the first woman in WWE history to pin Ronda Rousey twice. Nobody else has ever done it. And two of the three times have massive controversy around them. Yep. Which I don't know if it's booking or if Ronda just doesn't know how to keep her shoulders on the mat. I think it's a little bit. I think it's Ronda that doesn't know how to keep her shoulders (laughs) on the mat. I think we said that at SummerSlam. We did. I will say the booking that happened at SummerSlam did not help the situation at all. Nope, not at all. Liv Morgan looked extremely weak at SummerSlam. And I get I, I get what they were going for. Because I'm fine with the roll-up, tap-out at the same time. Like, I'm fine with that storyline. That's whatever. But how many times did she put her in the arm? Like, Liv got zero offense in. Liv didn't even no. hit her finisher once in this match. So like she went, I, she went for it once and Ronda countered that. Yeah, that was it. So like I, they made live look extremely weak. This is the one, like the biggest complaint I have. This was the lowest moment of the night for, for me at SummerSlam was this whole debacle because live deserved better. I understand you want to keep Ronda strong. There's a way to keep Ronda strong and have live still win yep. and not look completely useless. Sure. Um, and that's kind of the way it, it reminded me of Bailey versus Alexa Bliss in like 2017. 16 or 17. 17, yeah, yeah, that's right. During 17. that Extreme Rules match where it was a kendo stick match and like <laughs> Bailey was afraid to use the kendo stick. Right. Like, don't make your underdog champions look stupid. They can look like an underdog without looking completely useless. And so I think it's going to take some rebuilding for Liv to kind of get back to where she was with some of them, uh, some of the fans. I, I don't know where SmackDown is this week. Um, but they were they were re- like they were relentless <laughs> Friday night. And I will say this: I have seen some people online. Kayla Braxton is one of them. I respect Kayla Braxton. She absolutely can have this opinion. She knows she knows Liv Morgan better than any of us. She knows the type of person she is. Right. She was annoyed that the about the crowd's reaction. A crowd's going to be able. A crowd's going to do whatever they want to do. Yeah, like they are voicing their opinion. 
We did it for years with Cena. We did it for years with Roman. Yep. You've got to learn when to play into it and when to just let it roll off your back. And that's something that, like, we give Cena a lot of credit for a lot of stuff. He was amazing at playing a crowd. Yes, As a babyface, he was the biggest heel in the company for years as a babyface. Like, and he played into yep. it perfectly. So, yep. like, you got it in, in certain spots. You got to figure out and play with it. And I think you made a great point there, and I'll add to that. You have to let it roll off your back because if you don't, crowds going to pick up on that, too, and they're yeah. just going to eat you alive even more. If they see that they're getting you and oh, they think it's, it's hilarious, it's on. Oh, it's on. Yeah, it's all lost and they'll cute. Yep. Doesn't matter how big of a baby face you are. Look at you just said John Cena. Yeah. If if people realize, I'm telling you that one night stand, 2007 Six? was the second one, I think. Maybe 05 was no. I was. I'm pretty sure 07 was the second. One. Yeah. I think 07 was the second one. Second one when he faced RVD. <laughs> that I mean, they were that all over hated him. him, and you could tell that it did get under his skin. He tried to play a tough guy, but it got under his skin a little bit yep. and it just made it that much worse. And yep. I think from that, from that moment on, that's when it started yep. and people just started to realize that it got to him, got to him and boom, there it goes. So Liv needs to be careful. For and sure. she, I will say she did handle it as well as you could in an unexpected out of nowhere. Like she yep. like, she even said, yeah, I admit, I did tap out. Like, I did I did do that. I can't yep. change what the referee decided. Like, it, the storyline is not helping her at all. Correct. And so that's, that's my biggest beef with this whole thing. It's not the crowd kind of turning on her. It's the storyline is making, making kind of the crowd turn on her. Before we move on to Monday Night Raw, I want to bring one thing up. And if you listen to this podcast regularly or even semi-regularly, you all know how big of a Pat McAfee fan that both Andy and I are. Anything that man does is, gold. is just gold. Yeah. Except I have one beef with Pat McAfee. And that was the opening portion of Friday Night Smackdown. Are you kidding when he me? Had, when he had the Telestrator. Now, oh. now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. Okay. The Telestrator idea was great. Yeah, I get exactly what they were doing with it. I thought it was awesome. But it went on about three to five minutes too long. I could have done three or five minutes more. I really? loved it. I loved it. It's it's unscripted Pat McAfee at its finest. It's it literally felt- like it was literally like watching the Pat McAfee show on SmackDown. I sure it was. I and know, I loved I it. I love that he was messing with Corbin that much. I love that. He just kept circling the area over and over and over and over and over again. When they cut backstage to Baron Corbin, he was circling his foot. Like I, I loved it. I thought it was like modern day sports entertainment at its finest. I loved it. I I was fine with it. I love the concept, and I hope they do it again. But I only needed like two minutes of it. Oh. It went on for like five, and I was like, "Okay, come on, guys, let's like let's move on." It was funny for two minutes. <laughs> I, I just got annoyed with it. it. Um, I got to I I was on the floor laughing halfway through. I loved it. I loved uh, it, and then what it led to was even better <laughs> because 
Triple H's boys are going to eat during this time, and I am I am here for it because Pretty Ricky not only got on TV, but he beat old Happy Corbin, and it was he won on a on a on a was it a shooting star press? Yes, Huge. not even a six thirty, and it was a beautiful shooting star press, and got a moment with Pat McAfee afterwards. The crowd was hot. Like I I was there for the whole thing with it leading to that Ricochet getting the big win. Let's keep pouring on Happy Corbin. I I love it. Do you think that that win was a boost for Ricochet, or was it more to spiral Corbin? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, I, yeah, I I don't think it's any. I don't think it was by accident that he picked Ricochet to do that. Sure. Like I, as soon as this new regime came into place three people popped into my head that were already four people popped in my head that were already on the roster that I got to thinking they're going, we're about to see some new, not that they weren't main eventers, but some new main eventers on scene. I think Seth's going to eat. We've already saw, and we're talking about here in a minute. Kevin Owens is going to eat. Yep. Ricochet is going to eat. And I think Sami Zayn's going to eat because Sami Zayn was a big part of SmackDown. And whenever this bloodline thing falls apart, and we get like babyface underdog Sami Zayn back. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I tell you, a fifth one that's gonna eat. She's getting her shot at Liv Morgan yep. for the women's championship. Shayna Baszler's coming, y'all. Yeah, I'm I, calling it. I'm calling it right now. Get ready, she's coming. I thought throughout the entire gauntlet match, I was like, oh, Raquel's got this easy in yep. the bag. Shayna's yep. music hit. I was like, I forgot she's on SmackDown. And yep. she, never mind. Shayna is about to. I think there's a good chance Shayna takes the butt off a of live. Absolutely. 100% she does. I think 100%. I think there's a good I, chance. And I, I don't know if the crowd turning on live will have anything to do with that, but I think it's more of we're pushing Shayna up the card. It's a perfect storm. Let's just go with it because Shayna did not get her just due. No. Because. That WrestleMania match with Becky Lynch in 2020, like that was won. that should have been Shayna. If there were, I think if there would have been a crowd, Shayna would have won, and that yeah. would have been Shayna's push to the moon. <laughs> I'll give you the downfall of Shayna even happened at the Rumble that year. She Charlotte Flair should not have won that Royal Rumble. Right, Shayna should have won it because the Elimination Chamber was it made everybody else look super weak when she just kind of ran through everybody. Yeah, like I get what they were trying to do. I I am excited to see what I'm excited to see what Shane is going to do on the main roster now. There there are a few people that I'm I I think are going to they're going to be taken care of. Uh, Champa, we didn't even talk about Champa yet. Like Champa, Champa's going to eat. Like I it's yep. it's as a black and gold NXT super fan that I was, I am very excited for the people that are going to be pushed to the top. The only thing I'm going to ask now because we're talking we're talking we're going to talk about Champa. We're going to talk about Dexter Loomis coming back here in just a minute. We just talked about Shayna Baszler. We just talked about Rick Shea. We talked about Sami Zayn, yep. Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens. Shinsuke Nakamura is getting the Intercontinental title yeah. shot again. Walter's I mean, going to hold that Intercontinental of, Championship for about four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, for real. All of these guys. But, man, the black and gold just wouldn't be the same if we didn't get a main roster call-up of Cameron Grimes. Can we please get Cameron Grimes on the main roster 
And let, do please, Cameron Grimes and our truth together will will be the greatest thing that has ever been created in the history of wrestling. I think Cameron Grimes gets called up and gets right into a feud with Kevin Owens. I could see that happening. Right I don't away. want that because I want vicious <laughs> Kevin Owens, and I do not want Cameron Grimes to get killed as soon as he gets there. I think it could happen. I think I don't no. know. I don't know who else you could put him with. I, you could put him with. Listen, our truth and Cameron Grimes <laughs> feuding with. Chad Gable and Otis, <laughs> bro, that is that money would be great. right there. That That's would be so great. good. I'd be for that. Now, do I want to see Cameron Grimes and Kevin Owens interact with all of what they do in their comedy stuff? Absolutely, I do. Because Kevin Owens is is gold, but man. <laughs> anyway, all right. Speaking of, oh man, so many places to go. <clears throat> Not only. Did Dexter Loomis make a crazy return on Monday Night Raw <laughs> that if you were not watching closely to what was going on, you missed it? Yeah. Because I had a couple of guys at work today even ask me. They were like, bro, I saw this on Twitter. Like, I missed this on Raw. Like, well, you should have been watching it. Anyway, not only is Dexter Loomis back, parking lot scenes are back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I we have it. things happening in the parking lot that yep. mean something. Yep. It's not just promos anymore. Like it's right. it's everything now on the show is there to make sense and to build to something. And I even matches. Like matches aren't just random. Like it's they're there. I don't I can't tell you how happy I was last week when we got two triple threat matches that actually meant something. Like yep. no more championship contenders matches. We get number one contender matches. And they're back. I am so happy for that. Parking lots now are not safe under Triple H's regime, which I'm fine with. I love an unsafe parking lot. It's going to yep. be great. I, I'm I am expecting. We saw Jungle Boy almost kill Christian in the parking lot on AEW. I think we're going to get something like that again. Maybe right. Rikishi comes back and hits somebody. I don't know. But did I'm, you see I'm his tweet? To, I did. I did. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it was so great. I loved it. I love that parking lots are mean. Like. Everything's meaning something now because then when you get a Kevin Owens promo like we got, it just adds so much more. Like that promo he cut was amazing. Yep. Yep. I was going to save this to the end of our discussion before we sign off, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it in now because it makes sense with what you just said. For anybody that has any doubt about Triple H putting his stamp on these shows, (laughs) take away, take away the debuts. You know, because all of those are shocking, whatever. Right. Take away the debuts. Take away the more wrestling focus, the triple threats, and, you know, what have you. Take away that kind of stuff. But you can clearly see at the end of every single show that he has produced so far, because there's only been, what, four of them, five of them, yep. something like that. There's a question at the yep. end of every show. Yep. Something is left up in the air. You don't know what's going to happen. There's something wild that just makes you go, okay, that totally flipped anything and everything that I thought about this one thing, and it's huge. It makes you tune in next week. Yes, it does. And that's what's been missing from, like, Monday Night Raw. The only reason why people were watching Raw I'm not gonna say the only reason, but the like we get because we talked about it every single week, building up to WrestleMania 38. 
people were watching Raw for Cody Rhodes to show up. Yes, they were. Like that's why people kept tuning in. Now we're watching because who's showing up next? Yep. What's happening with AJ Styles and the, like? Is AJ Styles and Dexter Loomis going to have a random feud, or is Dexter Loomis trying to team with AJ Styles, or does all of this mean that Johnny Gargano is coming back? Like there, there are so many different questions because if you know anything about Dexter Loomis and you know anything about his history, obviously he is very familiar with a certain rebel heart and his wife. And he married a certain someone that is very similar. Speaking of timeout, bro, did you see, I'll let you get back to that. Did yeah. you see the clip from Starcast from Johnny's show? Yes, I did. Um, I for, did. For those of you who have not seen it, um, it's Dexter Loomis, it's Candace, and it's Johnny on stage at Johnny's show, Starcast. And Johnny asked him, if he's done any indies lately. Uh-huh. And the uh-huh. crowd is like, you know, the crowd gasped when they react. And Johnny's like, what? I know you like doing indies. I just want to know if you've done any uh-huh. indies lately. Uh-huh. It's great. So, so funny. I saw that but, this morning. Anyway, go ahead. Speaking of indie, did you see whose car it was that was crashed in the background of Kevin Owens? No, I missed that. It was Alex. It was uh, Nikki A.S.H. and it was Dewdrop. Okay. So maybe Dexter Loomis is taking out Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop, who is wrestling next week in the tournament, so that Indy Hartwell and Candice, Owen, uh, Candice can now join the women's tag team tournament and go for those tag titles. Hmm, there are a lot of there are a lot of things pointing, and that's the thing. Like you don't know if this is. I could be off my rocker. I could be reading way too much <laughs> into it. Guess what, though? I'm watching next week to find out what is happening. Like, he is making you tune in each and every week. And we'll get to that tag team tournament in just a second. But as as we have alluded to, we did not see Johnny Gargano in a perfect opportunity for him to debut in Cleveland. But we obviously assume it's going to happen. I saw a theory that someone, yes, pun intended, (laughs) that someone posted on Twitter that said, everybody seems to be working against theory cashing in. But what if Loomis... And Gargano are the ones helping him cash in. And the way reforms with Theory as the champion. No. Johnny's got to come in as the baby face. See, I think so too. And when I read that, I was like, oh, that makes me so mad. And then after about five minutes, I was like, but that would be really interesting if that it happened. Would, it would be. I think if Johnny comes in, Johnny is the focus. And if Theory's the champ, then that takes all the th- that takes all the focus off of off of Johnny onto theory, right? right. So I I don't know how I would feel. I would probably get a little I'd be a little peeved about that fact that did happen. But uh, we, I think yeah. we are building to something very soon with the Rebel Heart. With I think it's I I think it's like a hundred percent given he's going to show up. Well, I read point. I read somebody posted again rumor and even though that Shawn Michaels is being tasked yeah, reached with. Out reaching out to Johnny and getting him back in, which I mean, um, if Shawn Michaels can't convince you to come back, nobody, (laughs) nobody's going to be able to, especially with how much respect that Johnny has for Shawn and you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I know Shawn Michaels called me. I'd say, yep, I'll be there. Like I'll be there. I'd be on the next flight out of Nashville. Let's go. (laughs) 
Anyway, women's tag team title tournament is back. I know you have been very vocal about not wanting these titles, period, and being very happy that they were gone when they were gone. Are you happy that they're back? What's your feelings on it? Um, I'm I am fine with it because I'm I promise you my outlook on everything has changed. I am I am very positive with WWE stuff more mm-hmm. so than ever before. Because I haven't been burned yet by the new <laughs> regime. Once that happens, that'll be when things kind of play into it. I think I think under the right supervision and under the right booking, they could be done very well. I would rather prefer a women's mid-card title than the tag titles. I agree with that. Um, but if we are going to do tag titles, I think it's going to be fine because I think we're building to possibly, like I said, Indy and Candice LeRae being involved. I think it's almost a given Sasha and Naomi are going to show back up at some point. Um, I'm intrigued by Alexa Bliss and Asuka. I would rather Alexa Bliss and Asuka both be by themselves mm-hmm. and kind of going after titles like that. But I think it's very interesting. So I'm I'm willing to give it a chance and let it, let it at least play out and see kind of where we go from there. I don't think they're going to be – because if you watch NXT 2.0 when they were around or even NXT when they were around, they were more the four focus than what they were in the main roster. Sure. So yeah. I think that's going to play a bigger, a big role into it. I think this tournament is perfectly set up for EO Sky and Dakota Kai to win the belts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is just prime spot for them to do it. Yeah. I don't know who they're going to face in the finals, and I don't think it really matters. No. Uh, I think it's their championships to lose. And speaking of them and Bailey in a six woman tag. And Clash at the Castle, Bianca, Asuka, and Alexa. Very interesting. Do you think this is a spot where obviously they would have reserved this for Sasha and Naomi and they couldn't get a deal done yet? Or I think how do you feel it's about more this? of a bait and switch? I think Asuka oh, okay. and Alexa are going to be scheduled in. I think Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Shirai. Eo Sky, I'm sorry, Eo Sky, take out Alexa and Oscar, make mm, it seem like yeah. it's three on one. We're at the show, their music yeah, they, hits, the place yeah, goes go. crazy. I I could absolutely see that happening. Yeah, me too, for sure. Which, I'm 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 fine with the match if it stays the way it is, though. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I will say though, Bailey is on a different level right now. Like she's she is better than I think I've ever seen her before because of the fact that she messed up one little thing. In the promo, calling Dakota Kai Dakota Sky, the crowd kind of let her have it, and she recovered perfectly. I yeah, mean, she, she let them have it. I, I remember a time when she probably would have got like frazzled by it. Yep. And she just she does what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you mess up, boom, you turn on the crowd instantly, and she did a very good job of that. Well, man, you got to think. We correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but we've never seen Heel Bailey in front of a crowd. No, we have. Did we? She turned heel late 2019. That's right, we did. So we saw she murdered the Bailey buddies in front of everybody. That's right. Okay, so we saw heel Bailey for about what six months, probably. Probably, and then the pandemic hit, and then she was. What's crazy is, let me. What's crazy is though Bailey's first time in front of a live audience since the pandemic was SummerSlam. Yes. Like that, like over well over two years, basically. Yep. 
And that's insane. Like, that's crazy. I'll rephrase what I said then. We didn't, Bailey didn't come into her own as a heel until there was no crowd. Right. Now that Bailey knows and Bailey's comfortable and Bailey is there. Yeah. Yes. She is on a whole other level and it's great. Now she you know, was you, at people, people always talk. I'm not going to say they always say this, but right. there's this notion that she is the weak link of the four horsewomen. Because just because of the successes that Charlotte and Sasha and Becky have had, well, guess what? Not anymore. No, I don't. I don't think there is a weak a weak link anymore. I think for a while, I think before the call ups, I think Becky was the weak link because yeah. Bailey was killing it, Sasha was killing it, Charlotte was killing it in NXT, and it took a while for Becky to come into her own. But once Becky yeah. got comfortable, I think Becky is. I think she's passed all of them. Yep. And I think they're all kind of on equal playing field at this yep. point. I agree. Um, and so it's it's a lot of fun to kind of see them bouncing back and forth and doing that. I will say this as well. I don't understand why Dakota Kai got released and never got a chance because that tag match that they had, Dana Brooke and Tamina looked lost because Dakota Kai and EO Sky were bouncing all over the like they were they were fluid in everything they were doing and Dana Brooke and Tamina they kind of showed that they were not even close to the same level as right those two so like I'm I'm very excited to see what they're going to do two incredible matches on raw AJ Styles and the Miz no DQ main event that's where we saw Dexter Loomis uh, incredible match. And then, of course, for the U.S. title, Tommaso Ciampa and Bobby Lashley. There were so many times where I thought Ciampa was going to win. I did, too. But in the end, Bobby Lashley retains, and what a great match it was. Um, man, just good wrestling. We've said this for a little while, that Raw has been delivering with good wrestling, but it's even more evident now that Triple I H is in charge. I mean, what last week you had Montez and Seth tearing the house down. This week yep. you had Angelo Dawkins and Seth tearing the house down. Uh, I Champa and Bobby Lashley was the perfect example of building a star in defeat. Yep. Champa didn't have Champa didn't have to beat Lashley. Nope. Did not. But Champa looked really strong. Like Lashley made Champa look really good. I, I, I Lashley made him look really really good. He didn't squash him. He didn't kill him. Lashley hasn't had a bad match since the Omos matches. Like Lashley's been <laughs> Lashley's been killing it here recently. I'm excited to see what they're gonna do with Champa and Miz and AJ and Dexter and Lashley if Lashley's still gonna get involved. Um there's just there's a lot of directions we can go in right now. And it's it's really fun because this is one of the few times I can remember I don't know where we're heading, but I just know I'm excited to be on this ride. Like I'm excited to see where we're gonna end. Well, that leads me to my next point, because as I've been alluding to, there is going to be a bonus episode coming your way, and it's probably going to be next Friday. So if you're listening to this, that is the, uh, what date are we talking here? That's uh, 19th, most likely, um, is when we're going to deliver this bonus episode. We're going to talk about that direction. We're going to talk about... Um, you know, Andy's saying we not we don't know where we're going to go. We're going to do a whole podcast, not necessarily fantasy booking WWE, but we're going to look at 
what a WWE under Triple H's leadership looks like. Yeah. What changes need to be made? What needs to stick? Um, what the roster should look like? What shows should look like? What WWE should do with their resources? Obviously, we know they have unlimited resources. Okay, now how does that change under the Triple H leadership? So we're going to do a whole podcast about that. So that is going to be a bonus episode coming your way next Friday. So get ready for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. On our way out, Andy, of course, the high spots and turd sandwiches. Highs and the lows of this week in the wrestling business. And, heck, if you want to throw in last week since we missed, by all means, go for it. Um, I will start, though, with my turd sandwich. And it's the fact that we did not get Johnny Gargano on Monday Night Raw <laughs> in Cleveland. Like, I knew it wasn't going to happen. And, like, Jason texted me and he said, hey, because I, I wasn't watching Raw live at the moment. He texted me and right. said, hey. U.S. title matches next. And I said, okay, I'm going to turn it on and I'm probably going to jinx it. And he didn't show up and I was not happy. Yeah, I I agree. It's one of those things that it's so hard because he's not even signed. He's not even like in the company as of right now that we know of. Right. It's like the Cody thing all over again. Like it is. we want him to show up so bad. And there's no chance, like there's no guarantee that he's ever going to show. He may never show up. Like that's, he may that's, show up that's, on. He, he may show up on AEW tonight. Oh, you would cry. I, you would be so. I would. <laughs> I would be so upset if this happened, y'all. <laughs> Listen, oh, this would. If Johnny Gargano shows up in AEW, it is way worse than Sting showing up in AEW. It's worse than Adam Cole showing up in AEW. It is literally the worst one that they could pull from me. Even, listen, I'll even say this. Even if AJ Styles were to go over there at this point, I would be, I would feel better about him going than Johnny Gargano. I mean, Sting and Adam Cole have done pretty well for themselves in AEW. I still didn't want them to go, though. <laughs> Just saying. I don't like it. All right. What do you got? Turd sandwich. Um, my turd sandwich is probably, uh, probably Dana Brooke and Tamina. Just mm. I, I'm, I don't want to point out specific people, and you know my feelings on Tamina as a whole. I'm not a huge Tamina fan. I think she's the longest tenured member of the roster at this point, though. Yeah, uh, which is sad. <laughs> um, you let people like. Dakota Kai and Ember Moon go, but you keep Tamina. It, Bray Wyatt Natty, is gone, and, and Tamina yeah. and Natty are. St anyways, um, <laughs> but they just kind of it kind of just showed like how out of their depth they are. Yeah, when they're in the ring with people like Dakota Kai and EO Sky, so like that. That was like I wanted the match to be really good, mm -hmm. and it was still decent. It was really good. Like it was still fine, but it was only fine because of Dakota Kai and EO Sky. Right. No, I got you. Um, my high spot of the week, and heck, I'm going to say over the last two weeks. A couple weeks ago, I think it was mm, two weeks before SummerSlam when I was not able to be on the podcast. You did a podcast by yourself, and you talked very, very deeply about a bunch of people who were not on the SummerSlam card and why that wasn't the case and, you know, blah, 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 where they dropped the ball, blah, blah. My high spot 
is AJ Styles. Yep. <laughs> the dude has killed it. Yep. Over the last two weeks, especially on Monday Night Raw. Dude is back to having AJ Styles matches. Yep. And when I say AJ Styles matches, I mean tearing the house down. Follow that. Yep. Um, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah. It's awesome. It's because now, <laughs> even as an AJ Styles fan, his matches are now I have to tune in to see what he does. Yeah. Yep. So he's, I'm very happy about that. He's no longer saddled with Omos, but he's actually able to do what he's gifted to do, and that's wrestle anybody on any night and tear the house down and still the show. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, right. I'm a big fan of that. What you got? I spot. I'm still I'm taking three. I'm cheating. I know, but I'm taking three oh because goodness. we haven't done two. I'll they'll be quick because two of them were kind of together. Karrion Cross being back of course. is amazing. The whole debut of Dexter Loomis was just perfect. So well done. Perfect. Not they mentioned his name one time. There were two backstage scenes. Didn't even recognize it unless you were looking for it. And then the main event, it's just a little corner, and you see at the last second they pop his hood off and it's his face. That was amazing. And then I would be remiss if I didn't mention Montez Ford calling out Seth Rollins to losing to Cody Rhodes with only one booby. That was hilarious. I <laughs> I lost it at that point. So that was that was another high spot for me. That's so good, man. The uh, the playing field is wide open for WWE at this point, and I've always been a WWE shill, and that's not me knocking AEW. I've just always been a WWE shill. And never more than I have been right this right this minute. <laughs> because now, because I enjoyed everything before Triple H took over. I'm not saying everything, but I was a fan. I paid my hard-earned money. And I looked forward to all these shows, even when Triple H wasn't running the show. Now Triple H has run the show, and we don't know what's going to happen next. Holy cow. Yeah, I... I... I'm not a shill for WWE because I, if you listen to the podcast, I have been harder on WWE than Chris has in some areas it's true. than others. And I'm not that. saying I'm not a, I, it's not, I don't praise everything AEW does too. I criticize them. I try to criticize both as equally as I can. Right. I will say this though. Vince McMahon's WWE never, Obviously, it got me into pro wrestling. So, like, obviously, it did something right. But, like, the last five years, I was probably more frustrated than I was happy most of the sure. time. And so now the fact that Triple H is in charge because the only thing I enjoyed the last five years was Triple H's NXT, baby. The fact that it's, like, the whole thing now, I it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun ride. I think it's it's going to be a fun ride because now it's going to cause... AEW to step up their game even more. It's going to cause everybody in WWE to step up their game even more. It's in a world where people are saying pro wrestling is dying and Raw is like number one on TV for the week and AEW is like fifth or fourth. Like wrestling's fine. Wrestling is just fine. We're doing just fine. That's for (laughs) sure. And we're going to keep it right here on the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast, bringing you all of the great news. Follow us at PBW Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Andy is at Andy underscore PBWP. I am at Chris Belcher 24. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you find your podcast. Make sure you're tuning in to us every Monday and Wednesday, wherever you find your podcast on the Bodyslam.net YouTube channel and on Sportswire Radio. Don't forget, make sure you're caught up 
on the PBWF Pie Bomb Wrestling Federation, our fantasy booking show that drops on Mondays. The pay-per-views are coming. Addicted to Chaos and Battle Lines are headed your way next week. Um, very pumped about that. It is pay-per-view number two. And Andy and I have been talking about where things are going <laughs> after that. And man, I, let me just tell y'all, I'm just excited for my show after the pay-per-view as I am pay-per-view. Yep. It's that good. Yeah. So make sure you're tuned in. Make sure you're subscribed. Give us some feedback at PBW Podcast. For Mr. Andy York, my name is Chris Muscle. Thank you for hanging out with us on this extra long edition, really. Of the Bible Wrestling Podcast, and we will catch you guys down the road.